0: Come then. Ask me about Rome.
1: I'm um, I'm well yeah, I haven't played any golf, Tom, because I'm an exceptionally fair weather golfer.
0: Well no, um, my uh, my um my tra- my Roman travails get worse, Steve. Got an absolute tale of woe for you here. Um so we're recording this podcast sort of back to back, aren't we? Or on consecutive days with the one we've just done on WHS because we've both got children, it's half term next week. So we need to get another one in the can, as it were. Uh, and as luck would have it for podcast listeners, I'm back from Rome a day early, which is afforded us time to do it. Very bad news for my golf. Um, so in the run up to going to Rome last week, I was emailing the people at Marco Simone, basically hourly to see if I could get tea tee time. No, no dice. Uh, and then I ran into an old friend who is one of the most well-connected people in golf whilst over there, and he got me a tea time at Marco Simone, So it was all arranged for yesterday afternoon. Um, very much looking forward to it. And then Italian air traffic control decided to go on strike. So there's currently no flights in or out of any Rome airports. Uh, so we had to come back a day early to avoid the Italian airstrikes, thus missing my tea time at Marco Simone. So I've also not played any golf, not for lack of trying.
1: In the uh, in the list of ways you've not been able to tick off bucket list golf courses, that one's quite up there.
0: It's really annoying. Really annoying, but I guess it is sort of first world problems.
1: Um, yeah. I, I don't play any golf in inclement conditions, Tom, which is essentially why I haven't played. In the I mean I used to be like I used to be one of those guys that Hell or high water would get out there and tee it up and just think, yeah, waterproofs still do the job. I've played in all sorts of conditions, but particularly since I've passed forty, and now as I sort of move towards fifty, whenever I see a bit of rain out there, I just think can't be bothered. I'm
0: sure, it's quite true, Steve. Is it? I'm sure. I think it's all relative to the amount of golf that you normally play. Anyways, not. It hasn't been ideal weather here for testing waterproofs. Is that not part of your remit?
1: It's ideal weather for testing waterproofs. I suppose someone would just have to give me some waterproofs to test.
0: And, yeah, then, I, and, and then I would have
1: enthusiastically taken up the opportunity to get out uh-huh. there. But there weren't. There isn't. It's pouring down. That is. No, thanks. Um, so we're going
0: dis- to today we're going to discuss etiquette, aren't we?
1: We are. Yeah, we, we, we thought we'd like get into the big topics straight away. <laughs> so from Stablefords to WHS to etiquette, we're not scared, are we?
0: So we've had a sort of a bit of a preamble on uh, how we're going to do this etiquette. We think is uh, an ever sort of moving thing. Um, it used to be a big part of golf, and I guess we, we really ought to start with what is etiquette, how are we defining it, how is it distinct from the rules. Um, so what are we saying? What are we saying etiquette is? Like, what's our definition of etiquette?
1: I think it's. I, I think of etiquette as taking proper care of the golf course and playing in a fashion that is the best for you and your playing partners. So not irritating them, not getting in the way, you know, not annoying them, all that kind of stuff. So just just playing in a, I suppose if we went back to the 19th century, we'd say in a genteel fashion, wouldn't we? Playing in a genteel fashion. Yeah. I'm not so suggesting, sort of- but, you know, like tweed on again.
0: It's quite a sort of ethereal thing then. So it's not a surprise that it's sort of misunderstood by some, if we can't really define it. You've been reading the book.
1: Because what what some people think is fine will annoy the hell out of other people, won't it?
0: You've been reading this book by a chap called Hutchinson.
1: Boris Hutchinson, yeah. What's Um, he got to say about it? So he had a fantastic book. Uh, there was really like, It was like a seminal golf book in the late 19th century. It was like 1890, I think it came out, and it's called, um, It he edited it and wrote a chunk of it, and it's the Badminton Library book on golf. Um, right. so you want, and there's a whole section on etiquette and behaviour, and I just love the 19th century way which they basically wrote about how they treated inconvenience and annoyance. There's a, there's a particular paragraph that I want to read out because it's just it's excellent. He's talking about, um, you know, like certain points of etiquette, which although are not are or not, do not fall within the jurisdiction of written law, are pretty accurately defined by the sanction of custom. What a, What a line. But then the best line is, if you don't mind me reading this out, it'll take 20 seconds. He says, um, breach of these observances is not punished by the loss of the hole or of a stroke, but rather by the loss of social status in the golfing world. (laughs) You do not exact an immediate penalty from him, who thus outrages less inconveniences. So he gets a bit of French in there as well. But in your heart of hearts, you propose to yourself the severest of all forms of punishment, viz never to play with him again. What a fantastic Paragraph. paragraph. And I think so, what you know what, what, like, what is, it's, it's one hundred and thirty years old this book. but I think you know it, it, in in terms of like the uh, greatest um, etiquette disasters, I think that's still the case, isn't it? I think that still holds true. You know when you've when you've endured four hours with someone who's just annoyed you in every possible way, you do you do come off thinking, I will never play with you again.
0: So, I mean, this is going to get quite deep, isn't it? It's like okay, all about sort of uh, socialisation. Sorry, what does less conveniences mean? What does that I mean? Have, I have no
1: idea. <laughs> I have no idea.
0: Is it something about well, we're gonna
1: conveniences? To, we're going to have to translate this quickly. Um,
0: less no les conveniences. Surely it must mean less conveniences. In, in It must mean inconveniences or something.
1: Yeah, you'd think so, wouldn't you?
0: And then so. there's also some Italian, presumably "vis" is like vis-a-vis, is it? Mm. Yeah. Um, but it's, so the whole sort of essence of it is that there's no actual rule surrounding it. Um, but it's just a way of behaving that uh, is going to separate one from another. So what have the RNA got, to say, about etiquette? Have they got anything? Is there actually anything in the rule book about
1: it? So not now, N- not not strictly speaking now. I mean, so Rule 1, um, which covers standards of player conduct, I suppose. Rule 1.2 gets into etiquette a little bit, talks about acting with integrity, showing consideration to others, taking good care of the course. I suppose they are etiquette Bits in their own right. But I I think one of the reasons, the RNA used to have a whole section of rules guidance, of of etiquette guidance in the rules. In the last, before this one, 2016, there was five pages of guidance of things you should do. Now it's essentially distilled into one rule 1.2. And I think that's because there are no penalties under the rules for acting in contrary to this way so except for if there's serious misconduct and then you can get disqualified for that so I think there was a shift in the new rules to kind of say to clubs and committees if you want to get into some of these things have your own code of conduct essentially and then you can distribute your own sanctions or warnings or whatever through that code of conduct rather than actually through the rule book in itself um, so that's that. I mean, that's how it's done now that you can still be disqualified under the rules, as I said earlier, for for acts of serious misconduct. And they're things like uh, throwing a club towards another player or spectator, deliberately causing serious damage to a green, like repeatedly refusing to lift a ball at rest when it interferes with another player in stroke. There, there, there are these things that you can still be disqualified for or that you can be disqualified for under 1.2, but mainly... It says to committees now, do you know what, set your own code of conduct and set your own standards. So it's gone all libertarian. Um, And I think
0: that we are, I didn't actually expect this conversation to go in this direction, but once you sort of begin to consider what etiquette is, it's just a way of, um, you said it earlier when you said what is acceptable to one person is not acceptable to another. Um, and that is a big problem isn't it when you're expecting people to kind of share a space equitably on a golf course
1: Um, let me give you an example of that like talking during a backswing or talking during a swing i won't even hear you if you do that to me i mean i'll not even i'll not even notice it um so what it doesn't bother me in the same way that it would absolutely bother somebody else wouldn't it you know it would be for someone else it would be like the worst thing in the world. Come on, show me some respect. You're talking during my backswing. I, I, I mean, well, I don't really want to get into this now,
0: but I, I would be the exact opposite. I hate when people say anything. Like Jack Backhouse, who's supposed to be my golf instructor and sometime contributor to NCG, is absolutely terrible for it. It's like playing golf with a commentator. He never stops talking. You can hear him chuntering away to the people you're playing with whilst you're doing his shot. Dan Murphy, who I play all my golf with, is absolutely horrendous putting thoughts into your head about like, what might go wrong on a particular shot by the things that he says. So no, I'm well in the camp. Just don't, just don't talk about the golf, please. Just keep quiet. Talk about anything else but the golf.
1: I'll, I'll um, never do
0: it. But that's sort of the point, isn't it? Is that one, what's accept, what is good etiquette to one? But this, but this is how we decide who we're going to play golf with and who we're not going to play golf with based on how they behave and whether that fits with us or not. So your man's Hutchinson's definition of etiquette or your man's comment on etiquette, not punished by stroke or loss of hole, but the loss of social status in the golfing world. We are, it's, quite an, it, it's kind of like timeless, but also it's of its time because golf's now a sort of broader church, isn't it? Where more people play with different um, golfers become much more of a game of the masses. It's no longer the game of just the gentlemen as it would have been in Hutchinson's time, uh, and therefore more things are acceptable to more people. Um, and that is a problem for etiquette,
1: isn't it? So this was the thing that bothered Hutchinson the most, right, of of, of anything that anyone could do to him on the golf course. So this was the thing that bothered him on the most. He actually says it. Of all delinquents against the unwritten code, the grossest offender is perhaps he who stands over you with triumph spiced with derision as you labour in a bunker and aggressively counts your score aloud. <laughs> if he did that to Hutchinson, he'd probably shoot you.
0: Um so I think what I think what we should do is, and I can sort of see a part two come into this podcast because I think uh etiquette is like a great debate um that we could talk about basically forever um is I think we should have a discussion about the sort of some broad topics that we think feed into etiquette um and then perhaps in in part two we can actually try and come up with a um a kind of NCG playbook or NCG code of conduct what we see as being good golf etiquette we can we can tell people what we stand for Steve um, we've done quite a bit of um, research into this so I think I talked to you before about a uh, cyclist magazine have got a thing called the Voluminate. you have a kind of uh, a, a, a cyclist code I think it's kind of similar for golf and we found an excellent piece on uh, golf digest which were Arnold Palmer's 10 rules for good golf etiquette we've read harold hutchinson's book or steve's read harold hutchinson's book and we've had a look about the rna have got to say about it um and we've come up with um five big topics basically Uh, and they are care of the course uh, causing distractions pace of play always look your best and help so i think we should have a chat about those and maybe think whether they're what's within those categories, um, what we think is kind of fit for purpose in the in the modern age, our experiences of those kind of of those topics and how they might start to form the kind of NCG code of conduct.
1: I've got many Um, debilitating examples, Tom, of not what what not to do as well. (laughs) So if we start with care of the course,
0: which I think is a nice sort of soft landing because we're going to, I think this is an area where most people would agree, or they certainly kind of um, they'd say they agreed. So within care of the course, we're talking about things like divots. Um, we're talking about things like pitch marks. You, you mentioned earlier something about damaged by, damaged by shoes and preventing damage. So what have you got for me here?
1: Yeah, I'm thinking more there in terms of, you know, raking bunkers, you know, footprints in a bunker, that sort of thing. Uh, I mean, divots, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be more uh, relaxed on divots than some other people uh, will be, because I, I do think replacing divots is, is is good practice, but I've also seen many animals that remove divots. So I wouldn't necessarily jump to a conclusion if my ball was in a divot that it had been there because of laziness of golfer, for example. You know, I've, I, I've seen someone put a divot back in. I've seen a crow in Machiavellian fashion fly down and remove divots, immediately just to mess with the golfer's head i think um i mean but these are so when we're talking about care of the course the this is the these are the most important ones i think because they're the easiest to do aren't they and when golfers don't do this it is kind of like incredibly disrespectful to other players and to playing partners you know not not raking your footprints in a bunker not repairing pitch marks on a green you know just just husbandry Basic stuff. Um, it, it, I I think this is, and, and people get like incredibly angry about people who don't do this, and I can understand where they're coming from because it's just so easy to do. It. It's essentially just laziness, isn't it, when you don't do it? Uh, it's an
0: interesting one because if we asked a hundred golfers uh what they thought about these things as etiquette, and it, w- what's worth saying is these things aren't rules. So you're Hutchinson man, right? You've got he's absolutely right. So if you don't rake a bunker or you don't put. In, but you don't repair a pitch mark, you don't get a penalty shot, right? No. You just kind of get someone shaking their head at you. But you don't even often get that because these things, you never actually see your playing, you don't ever call your playing partner out for not repairing a pitch mark. You just moan about unrepaired pitch marks when you arrive. So it's very, it's very sort of odd thing because if you asked 100 golfers whether they thought these things were good etiquette, everybody would agree. Um, So these aren't things that are one man's meat, another man's poison. These are not sort of subjective. Everyone says, oh, you must repair your pitch marks. But then how many people do? Well, not everyone, because there's pitch marks on every green that you go on to. Um, These things should be a given, right? As in, they're not a rule of golf. Arguably, they should be a rule of golf, Um, but they're not a rule of golf, Um, but they are like a common courtesy to other players, to green staff, to the people, Funding the sort of maintenance of the golf course. Um, and we all, we say again,
1: they drive greenkeepers crazy. Uh, I mean, like to distraction, I mean, you just have to look on social media, don't you? There's always another image of like a green that looks like the surface of the moon or, you know, a bunker that the greenkeeping team have spent like an hour looking fantastic and making to look fantastic. And then 30 minutes after they've finished, there's all these footprints over them. Um, yeah. people, use the, people use the sort of carpet in a house analogy, don't they? They say, well, you know, you wouldn't go into someone's house with your muddy shoes on, would you, and just walk through it? So why do you do it on a golf course? So
0: divots and pitch marks, I think, are a given, right? So in our manifesto, in the NCG uh, Code of Conduct, thou shalt always replace your divots and repair your pitch marks, if you make There's
1: any. They're a there are red line as... There are red line
0: them, they're a red line so in the rna's old rules of golf there was a kind of guide to etiquette one of them was damaged by shoes now they've now said that you can repair spike marks on your line of put yeah. um so is damaged by shoes to the thing i'm not sure if it is
1: no well no because you can repair it but there's the inconvenience of having to repair it if someone's Essentially laziness. You know, if someone walks in your line of putt, obviously you can go and repair it, but you've got to then go and repair it.
0: Yeah, but it's a pace of play thing, isn't it? so I'm, and also these days we don't have spiked shoes, do we? So when you're sort of mantling about on a green and you soft spikes, you're not really damaging the green. I think that's, I think that's been outdated. What I do think is interesting is this preventing damage thing, um, which was in the RNA's old guide. Um, And I think this is, like, very lost these days. So you've got willful damage, haven't you? Yeah. Hands up if you've ever sort of... That's not really willful, but if you've ever acted uh, in an act of rage and damaged a golf course. No comments. I am putting my hand up.
1: I was very young.
0: The worst one I can think of was definitely within the last 10 years where I was playing in the club championships or oh, Woodley, I missed a short put on the ninth, and then did that thing where you flick all up and then try and whack it with your putter. Took a massive divot out of the green about two foot from the hole on Club Championship Day. So that was that was good.
1: At least, you, I got, I mean, I, at least I, you didn't do it deliberately. I mean, it's it's shocking, Tom. I'm not, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm, I'm I'm not gonna allow you to repent your sins that easily. But I mean, I have seen, I have witnessed players who have banged their club into the putting service because they've
0: missed a putt. Yeah. I still feel bad about it now. And the group behind getting went, God, did you see that big divot in the green on the night? Because I know, it's a disgrace, wasn't it? And then sort of sheepishly went off to play my second round. Um, But the preventing damage thing, as in unwillful damage, is, is interesting. And I think this has been lost. And I think this is something that really ought to sort of form a part of everyone's knowledge when i was a kid um you were told about walking lines Like you say people told you you shouldn't you shouldn't carry your clubs across a green even if they're on your back you shouldn't walk between bunkers and uh, the greens you shouldn't work on the apron of the green where it's particularly narrow to try and protect the playing surfaces um and i think there's on on almost every hole there's a pretty obvious walking line which is the shortest route but it's not always the best route in terms of maintenance of the course because it might be an obvious place where people chip from and um, so this sort of preventing damage by where you walk and how you behave I think is sort of a big thing which would be to everyone's benefit and would really improve the condition of a lot of courses in some places
1: we, we we have this at my club still so there's um we tell members and visitors not to take their trolleys between green and bunker so you know for example you've got a green side bunker and a lot of people will just walk they'll just pull their trolley won't they instead of pull it round, they'll pull it through essentially the the walking line so we, we and and those uh, those kind of guidelines are like rigorously upheld you know if you see people like um did, making that mistake you you know i've, I've seen members saying to kind, you know in the first instance kindly just saying look you're not supposed to do that don't do that Um, So there are, I think there are instances where that still happens.
0: Yeah, I I think it's not just trolleys, it's just walking anywhere, like where you walk, I think is quite a big thing. Um, So I'd be all for that sort of becoming sort of more of a thing again. uh, I think it would help green staff and it would help these people moaning about the condition of the golf course. So care care of the course, I reckon, is the, the least contentious, basically, because everybody wants their golf course to be better and everyone can contribute to that um and it's a bit like i don't know it's a bit like going for a picnic isn't it and not leaving your rubbish you want to leave things as you found them kind of stuff yeah. isn't it
1: yeah and it's and it's so easy to do and i think you just get into a habit of it so i mean i might i don't hit many greens tom <laughs> so i don't make many pitch marks on a green um but i will repair them if i see them because it's just yeah. it's just good practice
0: yeah it's a good point actually maybe it's better it's better players making all these pitch marks you don't repair them
1: Blame the low handicappers.
0: Yeah. So next on our list is causing distractions, um, which is a really broad topic, but I think it's it's sort of worth getting stuck into. So <laughs> mobile phones, granted, is a, uh, is a topic in its own right, but I think we should touch on it because it's something that I think people do disagree on. In 2008, Arnold Palmer said, Turn off the cell phone. So, Arnold Palmer in 2008 had no problem with you carrying your cell phone. He also had no problem with you taking a call. Bearing in mind, he played his golf at Bay Hill, which is like in an affluent sort of suburb of um, Orlando with very wealthy members who presumably do quite a lot of business have to take important calls. So, Arnold Palmer says, If you absolutely have to make a call, move away from other players and keep the call brief. Uh, that they don't know you've even made it. So he kind of, ex- even uh, 14 or 15 years ago, is accepting of phones being part of the modern world, but kind of asking people to use them respectfully. You then would have some people who would be sort of total phone evangelists who say, No phones, please. Uh, it's leisure time. And you'd have other people who are totally the other way you would say, But I keep my score on my phone, I take pictures on my phone, phones just part of what life these days. Um, and I think, but regardless of which camp you fall in, there's still an etiquette surrounding it, isn't there?
1: Yeah, uh, I think the idea. I, I still. I know some ultra traditional clubs still do this and still ban phones. They're losing the battle. Um, you know, um, we're gonna we're going to record all of our scores on our phones sooner rather than later. The paper scorecard, as you know it, is going to disappear. Um, I don't know when that will be um but it is going to happen and so the idea that you can just ban phones entirely uh from the moment you step onto the property to the time you get off is is, is foolish it's ridiculous having said that you can go you, there does need to be a measure of respect with this i used to play with a guy uh, infrequently who it was a standing joke that his daughter used to ring him every time he was on the golf course so you, you'd play in a competition and you just knew by the time you were going to get to the 15th tee that his phone was going to ring, he just knew it. Like, see, I suppose you were prepared for it in a way. We, we took the funny side of it, but but for people who didn't know that was going to happen, they could go ballistic. And and I, and you and I and I could understand why. I think there there is there's no excuse for a mobile phone ringing on a golf course, like ringing as in the tone rings. Just, there's no excuse for it. Like, Everyone knows how to put their phone on silent. And everyone knows that their phone will buzz or whatever if someone's trying to call them. Um, but they, but it's like when it's, I think of it the same time as when you go at the snooker. Like every time you go at the snooker or every time you watch snooker, someone's phone rings, and it's just like, I, 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 how many times do we do have to go over this one? Just put the thing on silent. It's so easy. If you put the thing on silent, and then as as the king himself says, if you really do have to make a call, just do it away from everyone then there's no problem with phones, is there? It's just people's stupidity that they, they well, can't turn the phone off. I mean, yes.
0: My phone tends to come out more on a golf course when I'm not playing very well.
1: Yeah, mine too.
0: So, that, and that's rude, isn't it? Because that's like saying, well, my round's going shit, so now I'm going to just go and have a look, look at Twitter and reply b- like to a few work emails, and I'm not really bothered about chatting to you and what you're up to.
1: Yeah, I I would agree Um, that that is a very bad etiquette thing of which I am most guilty. Yeah. And then it's it's about... But then
0: the other end of it is this sort of draconian thing that you said, like, well, let's just ban phones. But, like, you can't do that. It's like trying to push water up a hill, isn't it? Um, So in this sort of middle ground between just... We're accepting that a phone is part of life, but we're asking people to use it respectfully. Um, the taking a call thing, like what was that guy on the fast show call? He used to just have that gigantic mobile phone and say, No, I'm on, I'm on the golf course.
1: It was John, it was Dom Jolly, wasn't it? Um, yeah. What was it called? What was the program called? It I thought it was called, jolly. I thought it was a fast show. No, no, it was, it was Dom Jolly. And, you know, you're thinking of the guy who went, Fascio!
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, but I think we're sort of past the days of that because barely anybody speaks to each other on the phone anyway. We're, that's not what phones are used for. Um, your phone is much less likely to ring than it is to sort of have a thousand notifications going off whilst you're playing golf. Um, But I think it's sort of, it's the same thing, isn't it? So you've got to have your phone with you for whatever reason. Um, At the very least, maybe to enter your score, but you have to still use it respectfully. Yeah. Maybe um, there should be a golf mode, like there is a flight mode where you're just getting certain information where like maybe if like, I don't know, your doctor's ringing you or your bank, then it still rings. Other than that, it just, it doesn't ring. You could patent golf mode and try and sell it to Apple.
1: It's the next billion dollar idea.
0: (laughs) Um, So phones, I think we need, in this NCG manifesto for good etiquette, we need to consider phones and what our position on phones is. Um, maybe we could write it in the style of Harold Hutchinson. He who spends his time checking Twitter after a double bogey may need to seek new playing partners in the future. Uh, it's very strange, or sort of self-flagellation, isn't it? It, it? It's definitely a thing where you sort of think, "Oh God, might as well, might as well just go on the internet and do some mindless scrolling." Um, right. So on, on my sort of notes that I've made, I've got sort of jangling. Uh, and kind of general sort of distracting behaviour. And again, this is kind of a—it's surely everybody agrees on this, right?
1: I certainly do. I mean, as I said at the at the start, you know, I've got good powers of concentration generally during a golf shot, but jangling of coins and getting in someone's line, you know, when they're when you're standing behind them when they're on the tee. You're standing on a through line, all that kind of. It's just so easy. It's just kind of like it's so easy not to do. And then while it wouldn't bother me necessarily, some of this stuff that doesn't mean you should do it. Um, Well,
0: there are some grey areas here, right? So we've written down moving while someone is hitting a shot. So one thing I would definitely do if I was playing, particularly in a two ball, is if you. If your shot is in the fairway and shorter than mine, and my shot is further up the hole, but in the rough, and I know that I've got a search coming, I would definitely walk ahead of you and go and start looking for my ball.
1: I, I don't think that's a as big a problem, though, as the, the, what I'm thinking of specifically here is you're sort of lining up a shot on the tee and you can just see someone moving out of the corner of your eye behind you, like fidgeting. Yeah. Um, or, or the one that I will say that bothers me uh, that, that lots of golfers do, and and uh, is when you're lining up a putt, um, and someone's just walking across you. Or they've 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 got into position, but they're like, how can I describe this on a clock face? They're like at ten o'clock to you, for example, um, and they're just moving. You know, they're just like pushing their putter in or they're flicking their putter up and all that sort of stuff when they're in your sort of eye line in your line of play that does bother me actually particularly with putts because I'm not exactly the most confident putter at the best of times
0: yeah um but again like these are sort of these are very subjective things so um the thing about where you stand on a shot so on a tee box right with a right-handed player you should be stood back and to the right so that when they swing back they, you won't be in their eye line and also, it's obviously safer, and um, but I think that's sort of lost. I and mean, then, when you kind of move, move obviously, down the hole, uh, people are in various different locations, and I think you then you then into it being a balance. Like, I really don't like it when you're playing with a new group and everyone will sort of walk to one ball and stand there and watch them within close proximity. It's like I think you should be going and getting on with your own golf at that point. Um, and there's this business about ready golf, isn't there, which is kind of, I guess, sort of and um, which is widely misunderstood and um, we'll get into that in a minute but the the and then the through line thing on the green I mean that is very very sort of pernickety I think pros particularly are obsessed about people not walking on their through line like before they put because that might be where they're putting on from in a minute and they don't want spike marks whatever on on their line um but someone standing on your line of sight when you're putting is yeah potentially off-putting um, but the flip side of all of this is that, oh, is everybody just too precious? Like, so when, you know, when you're when you playing football or other types of sport, like the aim of the game is to distract your opponent, isn't it? And in golf, we're sort of expected to stay quiet and get out of the way.
1: It is, and it's very, as you keep saying, and a lot of this is very subjective, isn't it? So I've played with someone who, if, if you're essentially like within a 360 degree radius of him when he's putting, he's asking you to move. Yeah. Uh, because it, it bothers him right so you end up having to like i i've learned with that particular play just to not stand on the green when when he's going to put because it will bother him um and however absurd i think that is you know because you, you know you might ask me to move even when i'm like 50 feet away yeah, yeah. Um, it's still all about you know it's still all about thinking about other people isn't it and trying to trying to ensure that everyone has a good day on the course however they're playing
0: it's quite hard to think of other people if everyone's got different standards mm. Um so with the care of the course thing we can we you can summarize that by saying leave it as you'd expect to find it but it's not quite the same for causing distractions because you just said that you're not bothered about people chatting i'm really bothered about people chatting yeah. i'm not bothered about people walking up the hole other people might be so I think that some of this stuff is subjective. Maybe at the start, you should get people to sign a contract that says, okay, this is today's code of conduct. Well, how are we expecting to behave here?
1: Every, every time you're in a new four ball, you have a 10-minute meeting beforehand in the pro shop to say, right, what bothers you? What bothers you? What, what is today's MO? Yeah. We might never get started.
0: So our next, our ne- next on our list of five is pay, pace of play. Uh... Was that noise because it's a podcast in its own right, or because it's a particular bugbear, or what? No, let's start bit, with it's, let's. It's a particular bugbear. Let's start with ready golf, right? Because it's no a, one does it. a, But it's an interesting one in the in the context of this conversation. So, this is, I think, the the contradiction that's stuffing golf has become. So everyone's obsessed with pace of play, right? We all want to play quicker, or actually, not everyone does. There's quite a lot of comments on social and stuff and people saying it's leisure time it should take as long as you want why why do you get to golf and then rush around but let's accept the fact that the majority of people grumble about other people being slow um so then the rna uh rightly sort of sort of do away with the honor so we now have this concept of ready golf um and that is applicable in competitive golf as much as it is in social golf and that is a change from sort of uh, guidance on being ready to play right so in in previously you've just been said to, when it's your turn i.e when the player furthest away from the holes played and your it's your turn to hit then be ready to play but now we're saying that actually whoever's ready to play first can play which a is safe and
1: responsible speaking,
0: way yeah it's broadly speaking a good idea but it is very contradictory to what we've just been discussing about causing distraction right because Previously, the order of play was pretty clear. The further person furthest from the hole played. Now it's sort of like a race to get there. There's like often some debate about whether you're actually playing ready golf, and sometimes you play out a turn and people are looking at you like you've done the rudest thing ever. Um, there's a lot of this kind of no but after you kind of stuff because no one's quite sure whose go it is. Um, and it definitely grays, it makes things slightly gray in terms of what the correct etiquette is. Um, So I'm not sure about ready golf in the NCG manifesto for good etiquette. Maybe we would go counter to the advice.
1: It's one of those things that looks really good in a rule book. And if everyone did what was said in the rule book, it would work really, really nicely. The problem is people don't. Um, And that sometimes can be because um, this is the way they've always just played the game. You know, if you've been playing golf for 60 years, for example, and then suddenly someone's like, changing the order up on you uh, after all that time I appreciate that it's going to be quite difficult to get into the new ways and the, the the one way you see this the most is with lost ball or or ball that you're hunting for a ball so I mean like the ready golf will say you play your shot then you go and have a look for the person with the person who's searching for the ball but you never see that do you on a golf course you see Three balls that might be like lost, and everyone like goes goes and river dances at one, and then they then they shuffle over to the other, and then they shuffle over to the other, and we're supposed to have played two shots here or three shots, but in the event we haven't played any shots because then no one's at a provisional, and one's walking back, and that and that's that's where it gets a bit, that's where it gets a bit silly. I mean, I I think the safe and responsible way thing, um, just going to your central point, sort of gets away from the idea of, you know, he's miles up there in front, so you might hit him. Because obviously under that, you're not supposed to do that. It's play ready golf in a safe and responsible way. But I see it on the course all the time. You know, I'm fractionally ahead of you. I'm going to go and hit my shot because you're not ready. And I'm getting a dirty stare because how dare I go first? And and I I do know of some golfers who are like massively, massively precious about the honour.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't think, I don't think it's um, resonated with people at all. Ready golf. I don't think that uh, nobody does it. Nobody. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm not sure if that's. I think that's because logically it doesn't really make sense. Like because you need there needs to be like a way of proceeding, doesn't there? And to make it so down to um, judgment, I think just sort of makes it too complicated for people to understand. So I think actually the honour was a pretty good way of. Doing t shots and who's furthest away was a pretty good way of proceeding from there. It's pretty clear for everyone, isn't it?
1: Because I think you always, you know, if someone had would like, uh, if someone was in some difficulty, they would tell you, wouldn't they? Even under the old days, and they would say, "Yeah, right, okay, off you go then," because I'm in, I'm in some difficulty here. I'm, I'm talking yeah. about like the extreme point, but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I'm, I mean, even with that... it,
0: but even when, so even when I play golf with my kids on the putting green. Um you find yourself instinctively so much your go because you're furthest away and like if you can explain it to a six-year-old it's normally quite a good thing and that works for a six-year-old so I'm not sure about that I think that might go in room 101 or whatever um, priority on the course was in the old RNA guidance wasn't
1: it going way back you're talking about the old single player has no standing yeah I don't know whether I it. it was ever. Was that ever really? Was that ever really in the rule book, or was it just? I don't a, know. I absolutely
0: love it as a piece of etiquette. Like, it really. It's something that really sticks in my head from um, being a kid, and it's the phrase as well. A single player has no standing. It's like we all know it,
1: if, don't we? we, we so, exactly. I mean, yeah, it's a,
0: yeah. It's a phrase that you remember, oh. and it, but I mean, how, how, yeah, how rude is it? Like, as in, so you've nipped out for a few holes on your own. You're stuck behind a four-ball on an otherwise empty course and you can't get through because a single player has no standing.
1: Here it is, the Rules of Golf Effective, 1st of January 1976. This is just a rule book that I've picked up. I rather sadly have lots of them (laughs) going back through the decades. It says priority on the course. It says a single player has no standing and should give way to a match of any kind.
0: Oh, that is another one. I forgot about that. About when sometimes you play, you go and playing golf, and there'll be people playing off the white tees. And they'll sort of like bustle up, saying, "We're playing a match. We're playing a match." Like that's we some sort of that. like special thing.
1: Like, what still, is that? We still do that.
0: We still do that. I remember playing in Scotland last year, and there were some people playing. They must have been playing foursomes, so and they honestly the sort of formality with which they did it, and we all sort of properly deferred. And we're like, of I've, I've course, I've caught a match. You say, "Of course." So on you go. Let me uh, let me carry your bag for you absolutely amazing, the sort of, um, the reverence with, with which they were treated and expected to be treated.
1: What um, I will say about that is, well, while I don't necessarily like it, um, it did, it did remove confusion to a, to an extent, because now you do have this thing where, uh, I, I, I and you you play single golf as well, and sometimes you'll get a group that are really happy to let you through, and then sometimes you'll have a four ball that are just not not moving, no matter what you do, no matter how close you are behind them, because they still think you've got no standing. Blah blah blah.
0: Yeah. So there's there's that which is a bit extreme, but then the other side of it is like to a greater lesser extent. Um, smaller groups be quicker than bigger ones. So surely there should be, like in our manifesto, we're saying that three, uh, four balls give way to three balls, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh,
1: um, you've forgotten, Tom. You, you've forgotten the. Uh, you've forgotten the timeless refrain. There's nowhere for you to go. well, yeah. But that
0: that has become a thing, hasn't it? Where people say, "Well, we're keeping up with the group in front." Um, but I think that keeping up with the group in front, I think, is fine but it should be superseded by if you've got a smaller group behind you, let them through. Um, so, yeah, I think that is I think that is misunderstood. But we're going to put that right in the NCG manifesto, and we're going to make it really clear that if you're a three-ball and there's a two-ball behind you, you let them through. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, and then there's, there's other things just in terms of uh, pace of play that I think is kind of crosses over into etiquette that I think has been lost. So people standing on greens and counting up their score and then marking their scorecard on the green. Uh, Like you should be doing that as you walk off. Um, Where you leave your bag is a big thing, like making sure you're leaving your bag between the tee and the green. These are all things I think sort of should be in kind of a sort of DeBrett's guide to to golf, right? We, We ought to be informed of these things as new golfers so we kind of know what the correct way to proceed is and all of that would feed into into pace of play. Yeah,
1: because um, these ones these ones also like get ratcheted up in terms of severity when other infractions have been made as well, Tom. So if you're already suffering a slow round because of various other pace of play issues, and then you can't get on with it when you think you should, because someone's marking their scorecard on the green, or someone's left their trolley on the wrong side, it just sort of exacerbates the fury the fury, absolutely, yeah. Absolutely. It becomes like an absolute stick to beat them with. And now look what they're
0: doing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so what you've noted down practice swings as a thing, um, which is kind of fair enough. And it's, in, it's, it's sort of in pre-shot routines, isn't it? Um, Arnold Palmer sort of sums it up when he, he's got quite a nice line on it where he says that we should be trying to respect other people's time pretty good.
1: So I've so got an anecdote about this, which is why I, which is why I put this in. I once played very early in the morning when I was working in another life and I had to be at a sporting, had to be in a sporting occasion early afternoon. So it was one of the first out. I thought, yeah, no problem. I've got plenty of time. And then I was paired with the slowest player still that I've ever seen. And the reason this player was so slow was because they took Seven or eight practice swings before hitting a shot. It was like, it was part, it was obviously part of a very deliberate pre shot routine. Um, and uh, and, it, and it, for, for some other shots, it was worse. So if it was a tricky chip, you could get into double figures. And it was one of those practice yeah. swings as well that it wasn't a flowing practice swing. It wasn't a back and through. It was a kind of one of those measured sort of technical things where you go, oh, part way up, part way up, part way up, then down. Um, and this took so long, the round took so long, that by about the 13th hole, I was just in complete revolt. So I was I was sort of, um, I'd be getting marked down on half of the other etiquette things that we've talked about. I'm not saying two wrongs make a right, they obviously don't. But by about the 13th, he, the shot would get hit. I would hit my shot and I would start walking. So, you know, if we had an approach shot, I'd hit mine and I'd be off. Bang. Because I knew that by the time I got towards the green, this shot still wouldn't have taken place yet. Um, so it, it, it was it was the most furious, actually, I've ever been on a golf course still. I mean,
0: this, this wouldn't stand up in court, though. So you're saying that you broke loads of your own rules, <laughs> <rhetoric in laughs> because he was breaking one stuff with. Like he started it. Yeah, he
1: started it, like, it, my lord.
0: The... um. Practice swings, pre-shot routines. Like there's a guy at my golf club who has no pre-shot routine and no practice swings. He just stands over it for absolutely ages. It's like watching like a, a stream that's buffering and it's like frozen. You honestly, sometimes you have to go and check that he's all right because he's like literally stands over it for like a minute and a half. Like what is happening?
1: You haven't died, have you?
0: Exactly. So I mean, like what? Uh, I don't know how you would sort of summarise that really, but there needs, the need in our manifesto, there needs to be something about um, keeping this stuff to a minimum.
1: Just four words, Tom. Get on with it.
0: Get on with it. Sorry. No. No. Okay. Just play with purpose. Dan was very once very happy because someone told me played with such purpose. Um, but yeah, that, I mean that. That is a thing, it's a different thing again, but it's again, it's pace of play. It's like just people who just orm about and don't know where they're going, like which way the hole is. They haven't thought about what shot they're going to hit. It just does my head in. Um, but pace of play is is an etiquette thing, and we need to establish some ground rules on it in the NCG manifesto. Uh, the fourth four thing we've got is always look your best. So this is, a, yeah. this is directly lifted from Arnold Palmer's uh, 10 Rules for Good Golf Etiquette. So he was sort of swashbuckling, sort of dashing sort of character. Uh, he says, from Bobby Jones and Walter Hagen to Ben Hogan and Sam Sneeds, Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson. I mean, they're really odd examples. He'd obviously never seen Tiger Woods wear jeans or Phil Mickelson wear shorts. The best players have been meticulous about their appearance. Their clothing has been sharp. And not one of them is shown up on the first tee with his cap backward, mud caked on his shoes or his shirt tail hanging out. He does then put in brackets, my shirt often came untucked, but it was because of my swing.
1: Well, that's all right then.
0: Your appearance speaks volumes about you as a person and the neatly appointed golfer, like a businessman or someone headed to church, gives the impression he thinks the golf course and the people there are special.
1: Well, as we are. Obviously, listeners can't see this, but I'm I'm sat here as we're recording in a golf hoodie. So I mean, I'm sure that Mr Palmer would probably have looked down on that. I'm I'm guilty as charged, I'm afraid, as being woke when it comes to dress codes. Um, I'm pretty relaxed about them Um, as long as long as you're comfortable. I'm not I'm no I'm never going to be one of these people that is. Um, running across three fairways to torment somebody because they've not got their shirt tucked in. I understand why it's important to other people. It's just not necessarily important to me. I will draw the line at football shirts. I mean, I, I, I'm not a big fan of football shirts on the golf course, but like the debate over jeans is always one that I think is like a false. It's just a it's just a false argument because I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You can't have it. You can't have it. Who would want to wear them anyway?
0: But if you, you want to it. wear
1: them, if you want to wear them, you wear them.
0: You can't have it, Steve. You can't draw I'm the lines. I'm trying line. to have it There's
1: both no, ways here, aren't
0: I? You can't draw you can't allow to draw any lines. There's a distinction here, right? So the things we've talked about so far, care of the course. If you don't take care of the course, it affects other people. They might end up in your footprint in a bunker or your divot. If you cause distraction, self-explanatory, you're putting your playing partners off, you're affecting their day. If you play too slowly or you're holding a whole group behind, you're affecting their day, you're affecting your playing partners' day. It doesn't matter a fuck what you're wearing to me because no, it's I your guess. clothes. It's like saying I'm not playing with fat people. Not quite. But it is. It's just the same. It's like I'm offended by your appearance. What I wear has no impact on you, and what I look like has no impact on you, and nor
1: should it. I don't know why I've got a stumbling block over football shirts, particularly, because I've got no stumbling blocks over anything else. But for whatever reason... It's, I've got it's, to it's, it's because it's sports.
0: this mythical standards thing that people bang on about on um, social media. Got to keep standards up, like whose standards? We've all got different standards, and some of our standards, like your football shirt thing, are conflicted.
1: I've got so, I'm very sorry. i um, very few issues otherwise. Always look your best is not going... I, I understand. I understand as well that a lot of our listeners, and we we know this because we do these dress code stories every now and then. A lot of our listeners have a very very fixed views, more in line with the kings on what we should wear on a on a course.
0: Yeah. So, <clears throat> I'm not sure that that's going to make it in uh, when we write this up. But the fifth and final one is help. So this is kind of more something I've come up with from all the things we've looked at. Uh, Arnold Palmer talks about things like lend a hand when you can uh, and learn the
1: little things. I can get really cross about this. Um, right. About when, look, uh, particularly in pairs competitions, like pairs and foursomes, um, I'm less bothered about it an individual player, but in pairs and foursomes, when, when, when someone does, when you've, Your ball is potentially lost and the other group doesn't come to help you try and find it. For some reason, it really, really winds me up on a golf course. And then I can get myself into this position where I, I, I can say, like really irrationally, where I can just go, well, they didn't help me look for my ball on the second. So sod them. You're in the trees now. You're on your own, chaps. Uh, well, well,
0: you're from Yorkshire, I think, or near enough, aren't you? I moved to Yorkshire for university and I was told very soon after moving here that Yorkshire rules was look for your own egg.
1: Maybe it's just a Yorkshire thing
0: then. Yeah, I don't actually have a problem with it. I'm not bothered if people look for my ball or not. Um, anyway, everyone always does it in a really half-assed fashion. Anyway,
1: well, they do, yeah. And but, but I think it's when they then expect you to extend the same cur- to extend the courtesy to them. Oh, I'm having trouble finding my ball, so why aren't you immediately over here? Well, hang on, you haven't shown me the same respect and regard at any point during our round. Yeah. And, you... and the other thing is as well, but I, I'm not like I haven't got a say in the opinion about this, so you'll be able to pick me up on this, and and rightly so. Because if I'm in if I'm in a group where you're like continually looking for balls on every hole, and it's like the same people's balls that you're looking for for every hole, then I can also get to the point where I just think I'm not walking a marathon here. I'm sick of looking for these balls. So I'm not suggesting in any way, right, that my that my attitude to this is in any way sensible. It's it's really weird. Um. Yes, yeah, so, but I think so the, the sort of broad topic
0: of help, um, look, for your, look for your playing partner's ball. I mean, fair enough. Uh, things like picking up their clubs if they've left them on the side of the green. Things like saying, great shot. But then help, like you don't want people saying, oh, I think you might benefit from moving the ball, but forward in any stance, do you? Oh, well, there is a least- limit.
1: Yeah, the picking up the club things. I'm very much in favour of that because it's 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 really easy to just misplace one, isn't it? Just forget about it um, in the in the scheme of things. And if and if you do see it and you have the opportunity to pick it up, and I would always do it or move a head covers as well. The same because it, otherwise it just slows everything down. Cause at what some point, talking, gonna... what about talking to someone else's ball? What about if you're you
0: hit a shot and it might not go over a bunker, and I'm saying go go. Is that
1: allowed? terrible for talking to other people's balls and some people hate it don't they they really do yeah they really do only i can talk to my ball uh but i think we need we needed
0: some sort of category on how you interact with your playing partners like what where the lines are
1: right yeah so as as, um as someone who once left a pitching wedge on the side of the green at the 15th hole at bethpage black um, and then didn't realise this until the end of the 16th and had to run all the way back across the road because Beth Page is split, right, by a road yeah. across the road, which then held up everyone's play to the point where they just went, do you know what? We're just going to play on. And I met them in the middle of the 17th. Um, I would very much have appreciated at that point someone going, oh, he's left his club there. I'll just pick that up even worse though tom because the 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 starter at beth page black was how we could how could we say this a character and it made it clear that um leave not returning with the said hired clubs would be met with a reckoning
0: (laughs) but so we need we definitely need something on like what 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 is right and wrong about your sort of partner's personal space like Looking for someone's ball, like most people seem to think that's something you should do, but like picking people's stuff up like that belongs to them, like, I don't know about that uh like and i I pulled someone's trolley because it sort of felt like the right thing to do but when I was away last week, and they didn't sort of look me weird, like I'd sort of somehow violated their personal space, talking to one's ball I mean, I mean it? gray areas i think it's the, it's the happy Gilmore thing yeah, it isn't,
1: isn't it <laughs> don 't you ever touch my puck. Exactly, exactly that. So, so
0: what are we going to do with this then? So we've got our sort of five five topics. I think we need to, um, we need to write up a charter uh, or an, an NCG manifesto based on this discussion, and then we can sort of float it, can't we, in the way that um, people do with like white papers the government do.
1: We will return for a special podcast where we lay out our election plans. And yeah. submit it to the people for approval or not.
0: We could yeah, we could write we can we write it film. up, see how it see how it floats on social and then we can discuss it. Maybe we could have some guests on who feel particularly passionate about particular areas. Yeah. But it's I think it's like it's definitely it's it's definitely a thing to discuss, I think, in a kind of ever changing golfing landscape. Lots of new players, etiquette is something that has definitely evolved and fallen by the wayside in some cases for the for the better, in some cases, it's, it's, it becomes a bit of a problem.
1: Yeah. And and I think, you know, I'm just finishing off on that wider point, Tom. You know, when we joined clubs back in the day, back in day, um, there was still, a, a, I mean, part of my early interviews at golf clubs, there was, de- there was a definite etiquette thing about it. The first time yeah. I ever joined a golf club, you know, when I went into the interview, the things they were asking me was, you know, what do you do when you're balls in a divot? know what, what happens when so there was there was a there was a structure about joining a golf club then that included etiquette that's I don't think is necessarily the case now I can't speak for all clubs I don't know maybe some clubs still do this but a lot of them that kind of formality now has disappeared hasn't it and I do think yeah. although it would be maybe it's covered in new member interview new member meetings and that sort of thing but I do think there is still a place for that kind of tuition. Well,
0: I think it's a, a lack of knowledge, isn't it? Like, so whether I don't think it should be treated as an exam. Like, it's it's just sort of an education piece. Like, if people haven't been a member of a golf club before or whatever, um, then there should be some sort of thing about this. Is how you go on. Yeah. So that's it. We've done. We're done here, are we? We are. We're going to write. We're going to have a manifesto for etiquette, and please subscribe to our podcast because we want to move up the charts. Number
1: nine, Tom. Number
0: nine. I know, yeah. Maybe we'll get to number one. Who is number one? Good, good or someone? Beef. Oh, uh, yeah. That's, not, that's cheating, isn't it? Anyway, um, thanks. Cheers, Tom. See you next time. Bye. Bye-bye-bye.
1: Redrop bye, bye. it using the new estimated point.